Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. In California, criminal justice advocates have been trying to get rid of cash bail for a while. It's been proven to hurt poor people and lead to more black and brown people staying locked up. Then in 2018, a law was passed that would have ended cash bail. But the bail industry fought back and put this issue on the ballot for voters. And that's Prop 25. One of the critiques I often hear of our initiative system from voters is, why am I weighing in on this? Don't we elect people to do this? We did elect people to do this. If we get rid of cash bail this election, we'll have a new system for deciding whether to keep people locked up before trial. Some progressives think the new system is still really unfair, while others believe that this is the best and the only chance to end cash bail in California for good. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. As you know, Devin, I mean, we've been spending a lot of time over the last decade in California kind of re-examining our criminal justice system. Marisa Lagos is a politics correspondent for KQED, and she also co-hosts the Political Breakdown podcast. And I think a lot of those conversations had focused more on the back end, right? Like sentencing laws, three strikes. Why are we sending people to prison for life for, you know, a bag of drugs or whatever? I would say bail kind of represented a new wave of this conversation 
kind of starting at the front end and looking a little bit more broadly at the system and the disparities we see and whether maybe that's not just about letting, you know, more largely black and brown men out of prison earlier, but about preventing them from getting there in the first place. Why were advocates trying to get rid of cash bail? Why did they see it as a big problem? I mean, maybe we can just back up and talk about like what bail is. So essentially, in California, if you're suspected of a crime and get arrested and booked into jail, every county has a bail schedule. And it essentially assigns dollar amounts to any offense. In 2017, the city of San Francisco did an analysis and found that African-American and Latino residents account for 21% of the city's population, but they're 63% of those paying bail in the county. That's money that's out the door even if your case gets dropped or you get found innocent or guilty. So the report detailed how the bail system actually stripped $15 million a year from city residents' pockets, and more than $9 million of that came from Black and Latino families. One of the things that really struck me as I started doing this reporting was the other side of this, which is that men are more likely to get arrested for crimes, but women are as or more likely to be the ones on the hook to pay these bail bonds. Hmm. One of the other big critiques of cash bail is that if you can't afford to buy your way out of jail, you might plead guilty to a crime you did not commit. So there's a coercive aspect of this that a lot of people find really concerning that you essentially, A, don't have the ability to go home and maybe build the best case with your attorney. Like it's harder to build a case if you're in jail. But also you might just decide that when it comes down to losing your job, not being able to see your kids, all these other things, that it's better to just take the felony or the misdemeanor and go home um, and, and, and walk away. So there are all these problems with cash bail. What did Senate Bill 10 do to address them? So Senate Bill 10 makes cash bail illegal in California. My baby brother is a young black male that has fallen prey to the system. We saw a lot of hearings where families would come and talk about the, the really horrific impacts that the system had had on their lives. We waited for two weeks before the court set bail. When bail was finally set, they did not consider the fact that he was three credits away from um, just a few months of finishing school. They didn't look at the fact that he had no resources. They didn't listen or see the women, the family, his sister, me his mother, his aunts and cousins, who ultimately had to pay that cost. And instead, it sets up a system where counties would have to adopt a sort of risk assessment algorithm. Um, this is an area of criminal justice science that has been evolving over years. Say you got arrested, Devin, it would say, you're a man, you're from this area, you have a job, you have this criminal record, you have maybe this education level, you've been married. I mean, it would look at sort of the globe of who Devin Kadiyama is and spit out a number that is supposed to inform the judge as to whether you are a risk and whether you might need some support if you're released. Under SB 10, the judge could say, you know what, Devin, we see that you have a stable job. We see you have a wife who has a job. We see you have a home. We're going to let you go home, but we want you to check in weekly with a probation officer. Or if it was a drug offense, we might 
require you to go to drug treatment while you await trial. So on the plus side, you could argue that this system might give people the tools to succeed and to resolve their case in a fair manner. On the negative side, you are essentially could be put on probation before you were convicted of a crime. So how did some of the progressives who were pushing to end cash bail feel about Senate Bill 10 in the end? They were not happy. A lot of the civil rights groups who had been at the table really pushing these reforms were not happy with the amount of judicial discretion that SB 10 landed on. Uh, The ACLU, for example, decided to go neutral on Senate Bill 10, and then ultimately the chapter presidents in L.A. in San Francisco decided to oppose the bill. What they're saying is that it could lead to essentially just a different version of our unfair bias system. They point out that algorithms are based on, you know, who police arrest, which are still disproportionately going to be minorities, black and brown people, that judges have their own biases. And they're worried that essentially this doesn't have a presumption of release built into it, that especially for higher level crimes, the presumption is for detention. And, you know, they think that this could potentially be more harmful, even though it will eliminate the cash bail system that they all disagree with. How much do we know about whether those concerns about the algorithms and the judges are are valid? How much do we know about the truth behind those concerns? They're not invalid. I mean, I think that it's a little bit premature to say that automatically the ones that would be adopted in California are going to be unfair because each county is given a lot of discretion within SB 10 to create their own system. And we're learning more and more every day about this type of science and ways to weight it so that it is more accurate and fair. Um, But certainly, if a computer program is written by people who have their own biases, it stands to reason that 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 could be enshrined in that system. Um, Yeah, judges have not historically wanted to go out on a limb to release people, right? It's a lot safer as a judge to keep someone behind bars. They can't do anything back there. In 2018, after nearly two years of debate, Senate Bill 10, which abolishes cash bail and replaces it with this new system of risk assessments, was signed by then-Governor Jerry Brown. But almost immediately after that, the bail industry collected signatures for a ballot measure to overturn it. That means this law's been on hold ever since, and now it's up to voters to decide the fate of cash bail. A yes vote on Prop 25 would mean that Senate Bill 10 goes into effect, that cash bail is no longer an option for securing pretrial release, and that judges would have a lot of discretion over who gets let out of jail while they're awaiting trial. A no vote would mean that Senate Bill 10 would not take effect, and it would essentially keep the current system we have for using money bail as an option for deciding if people should get out of jail while they're awaiting trial. What's interesting to me is that even though the no on 25 side is entirely funded by bail and law enforcement groups, they are not saying very much right now. They are letting the progressive groups kind of make their case for them. 
I find it interesting that you mentioned the bail bond industry is kind of remaining quiet and letting the progressives talk. What are the progressives saying? The ultimate goal of bail reform and pretrial reform isn't just getting rid of money bail. It's to reduce the number of people who are in jail before their trial. And that they are worried that this bill is not going to have that effect because of this issue of both the algorithms and the pre- and the judicial discretion. The bail bond industry is a parasite. They're, they're, they're blood suckers, but the blood wouldn't be available to them if it wasn't for judges setting setting bail. Truthfully, for from where I sit, I'm getting a lot of questions on this issue because I think there's a lot of confusion as to why why is a group like Human Rights Watch against Prop 25? Um, I talked to John Rafling from that group, and you know he he laid out a lot of these issues that he has with the bill. I can't predict what will happen, but I can say that the the system they've set up is going to allow for expanded incarceration and expanded. Um, pre-trial supervision, right? These probation conditions, including electronic monitoring, et cetera, all of which is going to lead to more incarceration. This progressive split that you've laid out is, is a very interesting thing to think about as a voter. If you are a voter and you, and you, you think that cash bail is unfair and you think we should get rid of it, what questions do you think voters, do you think we should be asking ourselves when it comes to Prop 25? Because it's a little bit more complicated than just is you know, cash bail unfair. Yeah, I mean, I I really do think as much as people might bristle that this is something that they should consider, that they should think about the politics. One of the critiques I often hear of our initiative system from voters is, why am I weighing in on this? Don't we elect people to do this? We did elect people to do this. They did it. The industry that this is eliminating didn't like it. And now they're asking us to overturn this law. So I think obviously folks should look at the merits of this policy and ask themselves if they agree or disagree with it. But I also think they need to think about the broader criminal justice reform conversation and whether they think overturning this democratically enacted law is going to actually lead to reforms that they want to see or if it could have a chilling effect in Sacramento. The truth is a lot of more moderate Democrats bucked law enforcement and the bail industry and you know some of their constituents to vote for this law. And I am personally skeptical that they would look at an overturning of SB 10 as an invitation to take up bail again anytime soon. I, I feel like, especially here in the Bay Area, we're, we're asked to weigh in on or fix society's inequities by trying new things that may or may not work, that haven't been tried before. But knowing that what's in place hasn't worked, how much of that do you see and this kind of leap of faith um, support do you see playing out in Sacramento and in the Capitol? Is this like a common thing in California? I mean, I think it's a common thing in criminal justice because you can't do any of this in a vacuum. Like you have to experiment in real time. There's no control group, right? It's scary to do something new. And if you're the victim of a crime, it's horrific. And you don't want to put anybody in that position. Um, I think the question that 
reform advocates have been asking us to weigh over the last decade or so is, but what's on the other side of that coin? Like, how many other lives are we harming by a system that has clearly not worked? Senate Bill 10 has been on pause this whole time. But that hasn't stopped some liberal California counties from experimenting with alternatives to cash bail. One county that was testing out an alternative is San Francisco. And just this year, the city's DA, Chase Boudin, announced that he would no longer ask for cash bail in criminal cases. KQED has an online voter guide for all 12 propositions on the California ballot this year. We'll leave you a link to that voter guide in our show notes. Marisa Lagos is a politics correspondent for KQED. This episode of The Bay was produced by Eric Cruz-Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.